Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Amen. I know about you, uh, but I don't know what I'd do without Google. How often do you go through your week when you bump into a problem and suddenly, well, I don't know, Google it. So just as I thought about this past week, we had a one of my cats was sick. I'm like, why is my cat sick? Google it. Why is my cat sick? My cat's throwing up. There were no pictures, but I can just tell you that there was a lot of good reasons why my cat apparently is normal because cats throw up once a month. Who knew? <laughs> or when I tried to get the fireplace going on in the living room, couldn't quite get it to work. What are you going to do? Google it. It didn't work. But anyway. Uh, or. I was limping around. I've got a, Jane knows this, i got a bunion. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's with my bunion? How do I heal my bunion? What are you going to do? You Google it. You're not going to like this one. How long should a sermon be? I know, William. It's long, 30 minutes. I'll do shorter, but just telling you, 30 minutes is supposedly the right way to do it. We'll try to be much shorter. But it's so true. When we bump into problems, we're like, I don't know, and we Google it. So when I came to this Sunday and I was thinking about joy, what was I going to do? But Google it. How do you find joy? And what was remarkable was there was a really good list. The list was these. Let go of the past. Practice gratitude. Surround yourself with positive people. Practice a daily ritual. Be present. These are really good. And we could take each one of those and say, yes, this is a way to joy. But as I realized that, I said, this is just a list telling you what to do. But in my experience, joy isn't something necessarily we do, but actually joy does us. We experience joy. And so the question, how do you experience joy, invites you to think about how did joy surprise you? How did joy come to you? And in our planning for this service, we looked at the difference between happiness and joy. What is the difference? And in my belief, I believe that happiness is fleeting. I think happiness happens. I think happiness is okay. But there's a certain level of happiness that even allows us to fake happiness. Who hasn't done that? You can fake happiness, but I don't believe you can fake joy. Because I believe joy is way deeper. Joy is memorable. Joy is in your body. Joy is life-altering. I would say joy is from God or divine. And I believe joy is beyond your control and mine. And most oftenly, joy is unexpected. I believe joy comes from a place of vulnerability. Joy is born from our vulnerability. Brene Brown, who's on the screen, says that vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability. I love that and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deepen and more meaningful spiritual lives, 
Vulnerability is the path. Vulnerability is the path. And vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. Gahil Gibran, who's a, an American Arab, Arabic prophet who died in 1931, beautiful, wrote a beautiful poem on joy and sorrow. And here's a couple of lines. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked. Your sorrow unmasked. And the same well from which your laughter arises often filled with tears. Isn't that so? It is in our tears that we reflect joy. When you are joyous, look deep into your heart and you'll sh you shall find only that which has given you sorrow is also that which gives you joy. Joy and sorrow are partners and they are inseparable in our life experience. William gave me a book yesterday and I looked at a video by Jürgen Moltmann a German theologian, a fabulous gentleman in his 90s who wrote a book called The Theology of Joy. I looked into this book when I was exploring the theology of play with you a few years ago. And Jürgen, who is someone who was taken as a prisoner of war in Scotland, who knew? And there when he was in Scotland, someone had given him the New Testament, the, the Gospels, which means good news. And it was there as he read the, the story of Jesus' life in Mark that he came across these words that changed his life as an atheist to read these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was in the reading of those words and the story of Jesus that Jürgen Moltmann says, I found in Christ a brother in suffering. And he says, Jesus is for Christian the divine face of God. And it is in that sorrowful place that he experienced the sustenance of God that sustained him through prison and set him on a fire to be one of the great Christian theologians. Because he, like James Finley, could say, God protects us from nothing and is present in everything. God present in our sorrow and present in our joy. Which brings us to the text that we heard a few moments ago, the story you know, perhaps, the story of Elizabeth and Mary. You see, Elizabeth experienced this awful shaming in her culture. She was old and barren, and in her culture, if you couldn't produce children, you were very much a second-class citizen. To suddenly be told in her old age that she was going to be pregnant, decides to go visit Mary, who's her cousin, and when they enter the room, the two babies leap for unexpected joy in their wombs as you see them bumping together. But too, Mary has experienced this sorrow as a young, unmarried woman. She too speaks of the birth within her womb. And I wonder if Elizabeth and Mary sang out of their sorrow because I wonder if Mary knew as she reflected on what she'd heard about Jesus that she imagined the sorrow that Jesus would experience, the challenge of being a leader in a divided country, a very difficult time, a prophetic voice was determined inevitably to be killed. I wonder if it was from her sorrow that she sang her joy. I wonder if Mary and Elizabeth both knew the sorrow and joy of what it was to be a mother. Did Mary sing from the vulnerability place of sorrow? 
that could actually be the joyful song we just heard. And then as I began to think about this joy, I thought, how does joy fit in the guy in red up top here? How does, as we looked at each one of these people in the scriptures, how does the person of Jesus speak about joy? And we hear Jesus say these words, I have come that your joy might be complete. And then if you look at all the stories of Jesus, we won't go through them at all, but you could go through many. I wonder if there was incredible joy when he stepped into the temple and overturned the tables of injustice. And I wonder if people said, thank God somebody's overturning these tables. And there was joy in their eyes as he called for justice. I wonder if the people, the guests who were at the wedding, when they heard the wine was running out and they were about to leave, heard and saw the pouring of wine. And their hearts leapt with joy as they knew the party would go on. I wonder if Zacchaeus, when he was stuck up on a tree, shunned by everybody, when Jesus called him out of the tree and into his home, when someone who was shunned is suddenly dining with Jesus, there was joy running down the cheeks of Zacchaeus. I wonder the people who were sick, who cried out, and who were shunned as hypocrites, shunned as those who were ill because of the scars in their body when he touched them. I wonder when their joy fell down their cheeks. You see, the whole point of Jesus is joy. And we've totally messed that up. We got Jesus as judge. And we got a Jesus who's judging this and that so that people don't want to go to church because they think they're judged before they walk in the door. And yet the real life Jesus is all about joy, knowing of course you're going to mess up. Welcome into this place. So I thought about this, and I know you, you want to know what does this mean? That's nice talk. And I want to share some stories with you five so you know where you're at in the sermon. And I've had permission to tell them all. The first one is I was having my shower this morning. I thought, okay, John, you've talked about a lot of other people, but about you. And I thought to myself, when have I experienced joy? And immediately I went to Christmas a few years ago. My daughter, Allie, was at the University of Victoria, and I'd asked for a certain gift. I'd asked for a sweater that said, Dad, University of Victoria. She arrived home and she said, Dad, I got bad news for you. They didn't have any. I got to admit, I was a little grumpy about that. He could have planned ahead, I thought to myself. <laughs> anyway, Christmas morning, we're going through the presents. The last present. She hands it to me, and I opened it. University of Victoria, Dad. And tears ran down my cheeks because it was totally unexpected. And I don't know about you as a parent, but when your child does, I don't care what it is, something that acknowledges you in some way, you feel joy. And tears ran down my cheeks, and I wore my sweater all day, and I was filled with joy. Sometimes, unexpectedly, those things happen. I have permission to share this story, too. A congregant was telling about what it was like to sit in an AA meeting and hear the story of their child telling the story of how they were, uh, two years later, through AA, coming to a day when they would share their testimony. She talked in the, in the video that I heard about a dark, negative time about a, a time when she didn't know if she wanted to live. She knew her family loved us, and she, she, she knew that was okay, but it wasn't enough. She was an atheist, and here she was sitting in this circle, and at the end of her conversation to the community, she says this, you know, rehab saved my destroyed liver. AA saved my life. But God made me want to live my life and remind me that I belong. And she said that listening to people's stories, she suddenly connected to her own soul, 
and her own belief in God as an atheist to a believer. And in our exchange back and forth with this gentleman, I said, there's joy. He said, you have no idea. Deep joy. When someone moves from a place of darkness and sorrow to know the love of God that passes all understanding, you can only weep for joy. Or I think of Patty in this community. I officiated her father's funeral a few weeks ago. And then I was at the funeral and she was speaking of the eulogy of her father. She told the story that I did not know that when she arrived from Salt Spring Island to Calgary to the hospital, she came there that night and she and her siblings, three of them, were standing at the hospital bed. She said, we're not used to being quiet, us kids. But there we were, standing in the quiet, looking out the window at the Christmas lights and the snow falling and the gentle breathing of my father. And there were a few words spoken, but they were these, I love you. It's okay if you want to go. And you did good. She said in the text to me, the silence was so profound that my heart stopped as I experienced the presence of a higher force. Have you ever experienced the silence of a presence that's a higher force? She said to me, that is a moment I'll never forget above all moments of the life of my dad. And it was joy. Or I think of another congregant, Cheryl. Cheryl heads up our community of taking care of others in the pastoral care of this community. She's had three significant deaths in her family. Her son to an overdose of drugs. Two years ago, you heard me speak of the death of an infant born still at Foothills Hospital. And last year, the death of her 18-year-old grandson to cancer. I got together this week for lunch, and in our deep, long conversation, she talked about many things. And I asked her if she would write it and send it to me, and I'm going to read it for you now. Hi, John. Shane's death 11 years ago from opiate overdose brought overwhelming presence. Who can say that? The death of Shane brought overwhelming presence and a peace that passes understanding. And over time, I came to believe only two things for sure. Two words, nothing and never. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even addictions. And God will never leave us or forsake us. Never. Not even when we're full of pain and anguish, not even when we check out with all the drugs. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Then 10 years later, the death of two grandsons, one stillbirth and one at 20 from cancer, the same presence seems suddenly absent. And I return to those two things I know for sure. And baby Victor's and Braden's deaths, nothing can separate us from God. God has never forsaken us, never left us, and especially never left them. My mind and heart accepts it, but my heart needs to catch up to it. Isn't that the way it works? Our mind accepts, but our heart hasn't caught up. John, two years ago when baby Victor died, you came to the hospital late at night and baptized him. I must say that I never experienced the love of God as much as that night in my life. Not in a sermon, 
not in nature, not even in a Richard Rohr conference. When you came into that room to baptize, you couldn't possibly imagine what would happen. And the pain of his death and this experience, what was brought into the room that night was a spirit of light. You used this story in Advent two years ago, stating that there was joy in that room, and you were so right. It's crazy, curious, because even though all the pain of having lost this child, we would never choose not to have had him, regardless of never hearing this baby's voice or feeling his warmth. Never and nothing. And then Braden's death a year ago brought us so much physical and mental struggles, it was ridiculous. This suffering has hurt hurt us in different way than the suddenness of Shane and of baby Victor. To watch someone young and full of life slowly lose their life is shattering. It cannot not change your understanding of God. But today I choose to shed some of those precepts that I had about God being in control. And I insert the words that you said before, God's tears were the first to fall, God's heart the first to break. And in it, I find peace there, knowing that nothing separates us from God's love, and God will never leave us and forsake us. Nothing and never equals joy. And finally, last Sunday afternoon, I went to Rosedale Hospice to visit a man in our city who's a very key figure, Jim Button. Jim is someone who's been strong. He's one of the founders of Village Brewery and a strong leader in the city, and I was asked to go see him. I wasn't sure if he really wanted me to come. I didn't know him, but it was a privilege to go and be in the hospice, and I just plunked down, saying, I'll be here 20 minutes, that's all. 20 minutes turned into 55 minutes. And in that conversation, Jim said, my job has always been in life to gather people together. I remember as a kid... I was always the one in the schoolyard looking for who was standing by themselves. And somehow I walked over and brought them into the circle. He said, now with my kids who are in university, I say the same thing to them. Your job is to see who's standing alone and bring them into the circle. When I asked Jim what his job in life has been, he said it's to connect people. And my job now, my purpose now is to die well. Jim has a blog called Gather with Jim where he talks about his life of dying now. Different titles, transition time, in between time. And in our conversation, I shared the understanding of the Hebrew people of Kronos time, time is running out, but also Kairos time, quality time, sacred time. And Jim is embracing his death with that kind of time to have it with purpose. So you see, whether it's through addictions or gifts or death, in all of these experiences, I believe joy is born from our sorrow. Sorrow and joy are bed partners. And from it, we experience the presence of God. So on this day, whether you are in sorrow or happiness, I invite you to joy. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. 
We're really glad you're here, and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.